Benjuta, hi. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Yeah? Yeah. What's your last name? Uh, Zahini. Zahini? Yeah. I have a, my husband's Ukrainian, so now I have a Ukrainian ah. <laughs> last name. Aha. Uh-huh. And Benjuta, where is that name from? Um, it's actually from Sanskrit, because mm. um, my parents are from Mauritius and they're Hindu. Mm. So it's actually from Sanskrit and it means fortune. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's what my mum told me. I don't know how much of it is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fortunate to have you here. What a cliche. So. <laughs> Great. Uh, the podcast <laughs> is over. Uh, so we I, we found each other on Instagram. Um, and uh, we were just chatting now before we started recording. It turns out that we hang out in the same places. You take your daughter, I take my daughter. My daughter is a dog, your daughter is a human. Yeah. So we, but it's funny we had never bumped into each other. But uh, no, yeah, because I remember when I was, I made a, vi- a photo of those 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 swans. Yeah. On Stromovka, that nest was huge. Yes. What they built. Yeah. And and then you said, oh, I was waiting for them to come out, like yeah. the babies to hatch, and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I've been, we've been we've been stalking those swans for a few months. I had actually last year it was crazy. Um, last spring there was a there was a nest near where we live. So we live we live close to this Holy um, uh, Soviet market, uh-huh, yeah, uh, where Sasa Zoo and all that mm-hmm. stuff is. And there was a nest there, um, right where the ferry goes from Holy Soviet to to Karlin, and uh, and it started raining. It was really rainy for I don't know, like a week or something, and the water level went up drastically, and 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 I could see that okay, it's it's gonna get the, the to the nest the, to the nest and I was super desperate so we went every morning and my girlfriend told me like please just don't go into the river and try and do something about it and I wouldn't have I mean the swans would have attacked you know yeah but we called some some uh, city service in the end and and they but they couldn't do anything they were already moving all the nests oh, around really? the river uh-huh. yeah but they they have that service here, which I think is really it's really, really nice cool. mm. but luckily those uh, out of five eggs, four of them hatched, so they they got four babies out of this, and and it, we see them from our living room window, uh-huh. or we saw them, mm-hmm. like kind of swimming around the river, and it's so nice to see this, you know. But anyway, yeah, this is not like David Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fascination with wildlife. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what is it? What What, what do you do, Venuta? What is it that you do right now? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. No. No, right now for the past five years, I've been at home. I've been a stay-at-home mom. Mm. That's what I've been doing. That mm. was my job, which actually is it's a really hard job, you know. Yeah. And recently I've started working on a wellness brand website. Mm-hmm. Um, it started that I got into aromatherapy. Mm. So I started one a girl, she asked me to make for her because I was making some bracelets, mm. some like mala beads. Do you know what What's they are? That? No. They're like beads which are for meditation. Uh-huh. And they're made from like different cris- different stones, like pull, precious. Pull the microphone a little oh. bit closer to you. Yeah. They're made from different mm. stones. Mm. Um, precious stones or mineral stones, different energies, and you use them for meditation when mm-hmm. you're counting. Um and I was selling I was making them just for fun, really, just for something to do to distract my mind. It was very meditative. Mm. And um, my friend who owns a yoga studio, she was like, oh, you should sell them here. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I put them there to sell. And they actually sell. They actually sell there. I was mm. 
surprised. But um, And then another girl asked me to make for her an aromatherapy necklace. And I said, like, okay. And then she sort of, like, explained that you can get these the lava beads. They're porous. So when you put essential oils on there, they diffuse naturally the oil. Mm-hmm. So you can feel the benefits with you all day, everywhere you go. So you put oil on the stones? Yeah. And, and that releases the energies? Yeah, it releases the aroma. Yeah. And the aroma goes... And goes to your brain mm. and your nerve receptors and sends the correct messages to your nervous system to relax, to mm. be energized, whatever you want. Anyway, so I can have these aromas for different purposes. Yes, definitely. Uh-huh. And anyway, so I started making this, and then I said, "Wow, this is really cool." And then I got more into essential oils, and then it just was like a a journey, like a like a roller coaster that just <laughs> took me away. And actually, I felt. It must have. It was something instinctive because when I started learning about it, I just sort of fell in love with it, and I said, "Like this is for me." Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think that? It. What, what was it about it? Like uh... it was everything what you can do with essential oils just resonated with every part of my belief mm-hmm. of life, my belief towards like uh, medicine, my t- belief towards lifestyle, t- with wellness. It was just a natural solution that you could use and you can just, you can use it for so many things and you don't need like so many drugs which people take right now. Mm. Um, not even drugs, but even creams from the pharmacy. Mm. And, and You know, like simple things, mm. but there are there is a natural way around it. Mm. And this, so, uh, But these are also the old methods, I guess, you know. Th- it is, is, there's actually nothing new in it. Yeah. It's just the education was lost along the way. Yeah. Or, or somebody needed to make money of something in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but talking about these, like, uh, if uh, uh, it's actually interesting you mentioned uh, those uh, cosmetics. I didn't realize this. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was an Icelandic woman talking about chemicals that are being used. And it was I was so surprised. So she, she explained it that, after the Second World War, there was a very limited supply or demand for chemical weapons. Mm-hmm. But people had all these factories, and they had this know-how, they had the ingredients, they, and, and so they had to find a new use for these chemicals, which were used to kill people before, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so they actually found ways to put them into, you know, I don't know, insect sprays, uh, cleaning materials, even into skin products, you know, like if you put a... What's it called? The mosquito repellent on mm-hmm. yourself or something like this. So they went from killing people with it to helping people living <laughs> healthily <laughs> or looking better. better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what what was the biggest surprise for me on this was the the fact that these companies they have no obligation to test. Mm-hmm. They don't need to prove that the product is harmless. So then it takes a group of moms or a group of people after 10, 15 years to say, listen, there are people dying here. There's an increase in, I don't know, skin cancer or something like that caused by this product. They need to finance it to prove it or get someone to finance them to prove it. And then that's when it becomes a problem for the company. By which point, like millions of people have been using it for 10 or 15 years. And it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like... And these plastic bottles, for example, we used them for 15, 20 years before we 
realize that cancer, we don't need to. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that they can cause cancer. And then what she said also, what was interesting, is that then these companies come on the market. When, when it becomes mainstream knowledge that this particular chemical is harmful, they actually remove it from the product. They replace it with another harmful chemical, but they put on the product without harmful chemical chemicals. A. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> That's, yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, no. Um, I was at this um, convention two weeks ago mm. with uh, doTERRA, the essential oil brand from America, but um, a lot, there was a one speaker there and she was talk she was a toxicologist. Mm. So she was a professional toxicologist. That's was everything what she does. And, and it was so interesting, the idea that 90% of everything around us is toxic, is full of toxic chemicals, 90%. Mm. And the effects of this toxic toxicity, you don't feel them straight away. It literally mm -hmm. takes, as mm -hmm. you said, 10 and to 15 micro -dosing. years. And it's microdosing. Micro mm -hmm. And this also it affects also our immune system because mm -hmm. the vitamins and minerals, what we need to be healthy, mm -hmm. that are, maintain our immune system, our bodies are use, using it to balance off these toxins which are around us. So... When you get sick, your body's not as effective mm -hmm. at fighting your sickness or illness, even a simple cold, for example. Mm -hmm. So, and that what was really interesting, and it's all around us, it's in our homes, like you said, in cleaning products, it's in products which we put on our skin, which is crazy because our skin is the biggest organ, largest mm -hmm. organ in our body, mm -hmm. and it absorbs the most yeah, of everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is actually a a problem actually now mm. and so a lot of illnesses and sicknesses are are because of this toxicity around yeah, us yeah. and so there was this um wellness pyramid that they demonstrated which i think was really great it really like hit home to me and at the bottom of this pyramid is eat food eating mm. correctly the second one was exercise which is like the two things that people already know about. Uh -huh. But the next one was reducing toxic load. Uh -huh. So that's just like the third thing, what people do. And I think that people aren't really aware mm. that they need to do it. And it starts from this. It starts from choosing natural products on your skin. It starts from choosing natural products to clean your home. And actually there is <laughs> cleaning. You don't need all those fancy things, what they <laughs> what mm. you buy in the mm. shop, right? You want to clean your window. You don't need window cleaner. You just need like lemon and water. Yeah, yeah. It's actually the best <laughs> yeah, yeah. for it. Whether it's an oil or whether it's real lemon or whatever, but you can do it without. It's just that I think we haven't been educated enough. Or in we've it. been brainwashed. And brainwashed, yeah. To um, believe that the other stuff is better. Better and easier. And yeah. a lot of the things, even in like body washes and shampoos and stuff, the things that people like about it like oh it's so foamy oh it's so mm -hmm. it, oh, oh it yeah, smells soft, soft or something yeah it's it requires such a chem toxic chemical to, to make create that, to create yeah. that that's actually the worst part about the product maybe yeah and that's the part you love about it yeah so yeah and a lot of people are very attracted to like the packaging mm. the packaging and things like this and things which are not actually really important yeah. important part of the product is actually mm. like, and then there are the consequences obviously that those things then you get like some eczema or psoriasis mm. or then people start to get skin problems because those chemicals they're drying out your skin and disturbing the natural balance mm. like both bacterial and ph on your skin mm. so yeah so 
yeah, like you said, we've sort of been brainwashed into mm. like, oh, look at this great foamy mm. body wash pop. But do you like the, the, your interest? I mean, it's a re- it's a recent interest, and you have a you have a background in fashion and 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 I would say media distribution <laughs> from your <laughs> paper route. But but does do you think that this interest in this kind of natural remedies and 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 these um, alternative, let's call it alternative, but actually that's a wrong word because these are the original uh, yeah. uh, methods. Um, does that have anything to do with your background? Because your parents are from Mauritius. Is that like... Uh, Maybe partly, you know, because um, even if we talk about food, for example, mm. uh, like I grew up, my mum cooked. We never went out to eat. Mm. And my mum cooked like healthy food. Mm. And I noticed like when I was around 10, 11... And I, need you, I need you a little sorry. bit closer, yeah. Um, or you can pull it to your... Yeah, to watch, yeah. Yeah, when I was around 10 or 11, she started to get a bit lazy. Mm. And she started to buy like more packaged food, like frozen food. Mm. And I could never eat it. And I still, to this day, like, I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I even hate <laughs> my husband. My husband likes, sometimes wants to freeze food that we've cooked and yeah. put it in the freezer. And I know it's okay, it's totally fine. Yeah. But it's still, it still doesn't it's, taste the same. Mm. And so I have this very big aversion against like frozen food. So, and she also used a lot of, I think, like natural remedies, which she learned from when she was from Mauritius, I guess, from from her parents. Yeah, and they learned it from their parents. And yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, but she, but in a way, she also started to get brainwashed mm. because those, they they are some of them are time consuming, mm. right? So like for cooking a lot yeah. of people don't cook because it's time consuming mm. right but but it's healthy it's the mm. best thing for you mm. so yeah somehow i think it has there is a a lot intuitively connected to my childhood like connected to how i've grown up and what mm. my mom so my mother like mm. influenced me or gave me as a child but they moved, your parents moved from Mauritius to London, right? Yeah, like my dad was already living there. Uh-huh. And then he went to Mauritius and he married my mum. And my mum was like 18. Mm-hmm. It was an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. So she didn't choose. Like, she didn't choose. But did he choose or his parents? He chose. I, I don't think his parents chose. Or maybe they did. I don't, I'm not so sure. But it was all fixed. Uh-huh. And she, yeah, and so she moved to England when she was 18 uh-huh. to London. She spoke, do you know if she spoke yeah. English then? Or? She did. Maybe it wasn't, it probably wasn't fluent at uh-huh. that time. But in Mauritius anyway, the, the official languages are French and English. Uh-huh. And then they have their own like local language creole. Yeah. Which so. is kind of a mix of an English with... Uh, it's a mix of like French and, and Hindi, I guess there are uh-huh. a lot of... Uh-huh. It's a, it's a sort of like a broken French. That's what I like to call it, actually. Ah, uh-huh, because... But is there are there different versions of Creole? Then? Yeah. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Because I, I heard the Creole that is kind of mixed with English somehow. And yeah. And, and But... Uh, so arranged marriage, is that like a common thing in, in Mauritius? At that time, I think, yeah. But I think it was more... It was already sort of ending, you know, uh-huh. like... It was sort of the end of the wave because her sister didn't have an arranged marriage. She actually moved to Italy before she got married and she married an Italian. Mm-hmm. So my aunt lives in Italy. So, 
yeah, so somehow my mum, she's a bit older than, a little bit older than her, but she mm-hmm. got fixed in this way. But she came here and they were like married for quite a long, I mean, they were married for 15 years. Mm. But, yeah. I don't, um, were they happy? You think? Or like, how, because I, uh, I think they were like happy to an extent, but not completely. Mm. Because in the end they got divorced, so. Mm. And they bo- both lived in England after that. Or yeah, yeah. And they still live mm-hmm. there. Yeah, my dad not. My dad passed away. Like my dad uh-huh. after my dad got remarried again after my parents got divorced. Um, but then he passed away like five five years ago. I uh-huh. think. So. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but yeah, he, my mum still lives there, so she's been living there for like thirty. She she moved there two years before she had me, so she's nearly going to be like forty years. She's uh-huh. living there. And uh, but um, it's Hin- it's Hindu in in Mauritius, right? It's a mix. There are there are Hinduism. There are some Islamic people. There's like Muslim community too, and also there's Christian community. Mm-hmm. So and they all live together in peace. Yeah. I mean, there are no. No, there country, is no, like, no, 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 no. But the majority is Hindu. Uh-huh. Like the majority. Which is a very kind of peaceful religion, right? Yeah. I I think so. Like it's one of the oldest religions, right? Yeah. So I, I, I you don't hear a lot about that. At least no, n- not here, no. no. But um, I yeah. Even though my mum is kind of quite religious, but she never. It was very interesting. She never mm, like really pushed it onto me. Mm. So I didn't really pick it up uh, so much. So we used to go to like temple mm. and go to some like prayers and stuff. But that was it. I don't know. Somehow it didn't catch me. Mm. Were you aware of this that they had an arranged marriage? I mean, like, is that something that you tell your kid when it's six? Yeah, this is a, an arranged yeah, marriage. Yeah, my mum made it quite clear uh-huh. <laughs> all the time. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, arranged marriage. I, at that time, I think it was kind of normal, un- normal yeah, yeah, like not yeah. uncommon. No, and and it's still somewhere. You know, there are yeah. places that still do this, and and it it actually. You know, we had this in Iceland as well. You know, like really, you, I yeah, didn't. yeah. We 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 had that that the, it was agreed between the families that the the children would get married. I mean, it's not like last year or something. It's it's you know some hundreds, hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, or something like that. But it was quite common. And and I mean, it, and marriage has always been used also to kind of solidify power and and create unions and stuff like that. And. Uh, you know, like if you look at those royal families around Europe, yeah, they are all related through, you know, arranged marriage marriages. Marriage. You know, it's true, and so I think it's a, it's a very very common thing. But but how, you said your mom made it clear, uh, yeah, because she always liked to, Im- make her point that she didn't choose to marry my dad. Uh huh. I guess because towards the end, she yeah, yeah, she was enough. unhappy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Mm. But how does that like and and what about your friends? Did they know that this about your family or or? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, in England, it's so diverse. Mm. Nothing really surprises no anyone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't like now. Now when people hear it, they're like, "Oh my god, that seems uh, like uh. you know." weird like oh my god i can't believe that still happens but it does still happen yeah, around the world I, so. I have i had a guy here on who was from i uh, two guys actually that that came from islamic families and they they had they had this yeah but then i've also 
know people, I have friends also in a similar thing where their parents sort of, now it's a bit more gentle, right? The parents are still fixing it, mm. but um, you at least get to choose if you like them or not. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. like yeah. an introduction. It's a trial period. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, a sort of gentle version. Mm. But yeah, parent, people still, parents are still doing it. But some people or, uh, who have arranged marriages, they, they're staying together for years. Mm -hmm. It works. Yeah. For some people. I think, is it Gan Gandhi? I think mm. Gandhi had an arranged marriage yeah. too. And they were, I think he was married, if that's right. I think so. And when they were very young, yeah. like really young, like 11. Uh huh. Okay. Something that's like. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And often people say, like, oh, you'd like learn to love <laughs> the other person. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I, I also, I mean, if I think about how I, as a as a kid, you know, or a teenager, you know, like my, I would, you know, let's say that you were in a, I don't know, you, we went on maybe a week trip in a, the school, you know, and there was, there was maybe a girl there that I didn't necessarily like at the beginning of the trip, but then I had a chance to meet with her, you know, it was a kind of a, you know, like we were, I don't know, somebody in nature or whatever, and there were no other kids or, you know, like just that group, mm -hmm. no distractions. So you spent maybe time with someone that you didn't know before and you kind of, yeah, you learned, well, I fell in love all the fucking time. <laughs> they didn't, it wasn't mutual, but, uh, uh, but do you get what I mean? Like you, you, it's, it's, it is a bit of a forced environment because you don't have all the distractions of somebody else and you start, and I started seeing in, in girls some beauty and some charm that mm -hmm. I would not have noticed if there would have been 200 other kids in a discotheque and whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so in, in some way, I, and, 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 I, and I see that in Iceland because that's a rural country. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like easy if you come from a small town, you kind of just have to go with what's available in your town, you know, whether that's a man or a woman or whatever, you know, you, you just have to find someone that you think you can love and that you can, I don't know, create a family with or mm -hmm. a future. And um, so, of course, that's not, you know, there's a freedom of choice. That's not taken away from you. But it's still, in some way, it's restrained or restricted by where What you is are. around you, yeah. yeah. Which is, it's normal. Yeah. And I don't think, do you think that there is like one right partner out there for all of us? No, I don't. I don't because I think that different people, we meet different people, even if we didn't like, don't marry them, mm. for example, or don't choose them for as our lifelong partner, but we meet different people in our lives according to what we need in that moment. I think like none of my re relationships before I got married, I think like I ever thought like, oh, I wish that didn't happen mm. because at that time I can see what, benefit being with that person had in my life mm. or contributed to my life experience mm. so I don't yeah so no I don't think but I don't think there's even I think even sometimes when you're married it doesn't mean that you can be with the same no, person no forever. no no you can't take so. that for granted That's and people true. are changing they say that we change every like 10 years uh-huh and sometimes you're changing and the other person maybe isn't changing or changing in a different way. way. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're not in the same level again. Mm. Yeah. But you're married now. Yeah. 
I made it sound like <laughs> a temporary thing. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, now I'm married and I met my husband when I first moved here to Prague. Uh-huh. It was. Like, and that was, so we're together for like 11 years, but we're married, we're married for six years. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Not only still actually becoming a long time. <laughs> yeah. But you even, I'm just like, that 10 years, I just can't believe this, like 10 or 11 years, I can't believe that this time has passed. passed yeah. No, it's, it's, it's moving fast now. Mm. And those COVID years, they like, like it weirdly went like this, you know, like, yeah. big, and I don't know, they're, they're, I think it's going to be really interesting to think back on, on that time. And, yeah. and like, because you didn't do anything. Um, like, you know, it, we, we'd kind of put life on hold in some yeah. way, you know. Yeah. And you can't believe it's really actually, because uh, I remember in the beginning, you kind of had, the, you have this feeling like, oh, it's never going to end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's ended and you're like, oh, what happened? What did, <laughs> yeah, where did where the did time it go? go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, so you grew up in London, right? Yep, I grew up in London. Um, I when I was when I went to university, mm. I decided to move like really far away. <laughs> but was how was that? Like you didn't like London, or or I did. I think I had more sort of like family issues, mm -hmm. and I wanted to like move away. Move away. Yeah. I, and so that made me move really far. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, the only thing I had in my mind was I wanted to study fashion. Yeah. And I found this course and I was like, okay, this is good. I'll go to do that. Yeah. And I just did it. I was, I was, where was uh, that school? It was in Yorkshire. Yeah. Do you know where it is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone in Yorkshire is rich. Yeah. They say no. Yorkshire people have deep pockets. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Maybe in some parts, but mm -hmm. not in all. Um, and it was in Huddersfield. Mm -hmm. And it was like five hours from London for the first, that's when I first experienced for the first year, like homesickness. Uh huh. So you didn't like, you had family issues, you went away, but you missed them. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh -huh. There was, it was <laughs> <laughs> um, after a year, I was okay. And actually, it was the same when I moved to Prague. Yeah. I moved here. And then I like, had to go back to London every few weeks. <laughs> yeah, every few, like every second month, I was like, okay, I need to go home. It was also like a, I needed this like period of separation, you know, this transition. Mm. But anyway, so yeah, I went to university and I was there. And the first few months were sort of really hard. I didn't, like, I, you know how you think like, oh, English is great. People, everyone understands everyone. Yeah, I speak English. I was born there, and I went to the, to Huddersfield, and I didn't understand anything uh -huh. what anybody said for like three, three or four months. Uh -huh. I the the accent was just not in my hearing range. <laughs> I just couldn't understand them. How, can you imitate it? Can you say oh, so? Oh no! <laughs> but they have like different words for stuff. So they call, they don't call sandwiches sandwiches. Mm -hmm. They call them butties. Butties. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and oh, what are they? now it's such a long time ago, I've already forgot. But Huddersfield, like, I, uh, I, I know that city uh, just because they have a football club. Uh-huh. But it's not like where I would think fashion. No, yeah, um, yeah, that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> and then after I realised, like, oh, I should have stayed in London. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> if I think fashion, I would think, I don't know, like Brighton, London. Yeah. Like I said, my, uh, I sort of didn't think it through at that time. Uh -huh. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I 
went there. I fin- actually finished with the first of my degree, so I was mm-hmm. really like happy about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, you wanted to have a career in, in fashion then? Yeah, or? I wanted, not necessarily in fashion, I wanted to have a career in buying, uh-huh. in like buying and retailing. So do you know what? Yeah, like a, to be a... P- a buyer, yeah. Yep. So you select the products, you source the products for mm. like shops or mm. and you put collections together and you put it in the shop. Um, yes, I want, I was more mostly interested in buying. So actually it was more orientated towards fashion business. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then I moved back to London and I got a job as like a buyer, like assistant buyer for a jewellery company, mm-hmm. buying diamonds. And okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and diamond jewellery. So then I did that for a little while. Mm. But your first job was a paper route. Yeah, when I was like 13, 14. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can't believe I did it now when I think back at it. Um and yeah, why why it. why did you do? I mean, because it's not like you're that young that most kids your age or most people your age didn't have a job when they were thirteen. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just um, I wanted to make a bit of money, and people were like, "Oh, you can do a paper route." So mm. then, like, I think there was a sign in one news agent, like, "Oh, they need," mm. a paper. and usually they they choose boys. You know, they usually choose boys for mm. some reason. They think it's more, it's not safe for girls. You have to go delivering people's doors mm. and stuff. In the so. early mornings, In right? the early mornings, yeah. So, yeah, I just, yeah. So anyway, so I went in and I was like, oh, and they they gave it to me. They were like, yeah, you can do it because they were desperate, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I started that and I used to get up at like six, go on my bike, go deliver these papers and then come back, get dressed, have breakfast and go to school. Uh-huh. And then walk to school. Every every morning, every six days morning. a week or something, right? Yeah, it also was. Also on the weekend, Yeah. Right? I did this also. I, I started earlier. I, I was like seven, eight when I started my first paper. But, <laughs> really? But there is like no safety concern. It's Iceland. It's yeah. like, you know, like... But I loved it because I, I could make my own money, you know? Yeah. But back when I was doing it, then you also had to go and collect the subscription fee. Mm-hmm. So... so by the end of each month, I had to. I I got this little book with pages that I could tear out, and then I had to go and knock on on the subscriber's door and say, "I'm I'm here collecting the money from the for the paper subscription for next month because if, and if you don't pay, I won't deliver mm. the paper." Mm-hmm. You know, and that that was difficult because you know, like you're you're just a kid, and people are like, ah, "I don't have any money now. Just come back later." And what are you gonna say? You know, like, "Yeah, well, you have to respect my time." No, <laughs> you're a fucking kid. I don't respect <laughs> your time. You know, like. But it, it was it, it was good because you know it gave discipline. Yeah, wake, waking up in the morning and the routine, you know. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and I think that like the earlier you do it, the less mm. you think about it. Mm. Now, like if you I have to wake up, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but you have to. You have a kid. You have to wake up early. Yeah, but it's still hard. Mm. It's still hard. I'm like still pushing myself. Like I'm still snoozing my alarm this morning. Like two times, yeah. <laughs> you know, but at that time I didn't. It was just like I just got up and like went and did it and came back. Mm. And it was fine, and I had a really nice road. I actually enjoyed it. It's like a very fond memory. Had a really nice road, a lot of like big houses and rich mm. people. Mm. And so at Christmas they used to give these amazing tips. And really? I think like I used I collected one year like over a hundred and fifty pounds or something. Well, that's a lot of money back yeah. then. Yeah, so. And I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. So. But your mom yeah. was a single mom then, I guess, for. For a while, yeah. Yeah. 
um, yeah, for a so while. So was that a mo- motive, motive for you as well? A somehow. little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. She didn't have money. Like, in one point, I was, for example, I was doing different activities. So I like, was learning violin and doing something else. And then I had to stop them all because she was like, oh, we don't have any enough money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I guess that also maybe like encouraged me to start like doing something. Yeah. So that, and then actually it was interesting because the start of that, that was like my first job. And then I had jobs after that because once you start making a bit of money, Mm. the feeling when you stop making money is a bit like Mm. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You easily come kind of used to it. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. So then after that, I did various other jobs, but the job, like a my side job which was the best thing for me at that time was uh, just being a sales assistant mm. i live near a big shopping center so mm-hmm. it's easy and then how 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 come i mean so you leave the media empire, you you go into fashion and diamonds, <laughs> and you leave the diamond, and then you come to Prague. I mean, what what's the? Well, when I moved here was in two thousand ten, mm. and it was when there was this recession, and mm. it was quite like hard. I wanted to like make a move, but there were like not really any jobs mm. going. It was quite hard to like make a move. Yeah, but why did you want to move? Because just to I try just to try something <laughs> new. Like I d- I wanted to like even get a different job get not a different job still in buying but maybe change the position or get a mm. better position or a different experience but and buying is a very competitive industry i don't know if mm. you know it's very competitive and then i think i what happened after oh yeah so then i went on a trip i was like oh, i'll take a holiday mm. so i took a holiday and i went on one of those like holidays group holidays where you go by bus and you mm. go to different countries and we started in Croatia um we worked our way up from Croatia to Slovenia um and finished in Prague I think mm. but we finished in Prague when I came here I was like oh this is like nice mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there was something really I don't know that caught me mm. here it was relaxed I liked the size of the city um and I met a girl who was working at an English language school mm. and she told me like, oh, how it's good, how good it is and blah, blah, blah. And so she gave me the contact. So I was, I, I was in this mode in my life where I was like, I'll just try anything. Why not? Uh-huh. And I always wanted to live abroad. I always wanted to live in a different country and experience a different culture from, from uh, England. Yeah. From England. Different, yeah. And um, yeah, so I just went, I went back home and then I applied to teach English. It was, a di- yeah. And, and I, they invited me for an interview, so I went, and then they offered me a job, and I was like, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I always had in my mind, like, oh, it'll be for a year, I can always come back. Which is true, I could have always come back. Yeah, back. you still could. I still, yeah, I still could. It would be hard. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then when I came here and I liked it, I just liked the size of the city. We were talking about this, how um, in London, you spend so much time commuting. Mm-hmm. If you spend two hours of your day commuting. Mm. Um, yeah, you take it from your private time, not from your work time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And here, you can be where you want to be in like 15 minutes. Yeah. And this for me was already, I could work, like even teaching English, I could work more. Mm. I could fit more into my day and still have time 
to for do yourself, for myself yeah. and do other things. Mm. And it was quite flexible. I actually didn't mind English teaching. It was very flexible. The only thing is not very stable mm. job. Yeah, and you get cancellations and... Yeah. When you work for a school, it's a bit better, but yeah, you get cancellations and stuff mm. like this. But in terms of like flexibility and work-life balance, it was completely the opposite to what I had because in buying, I was going to work, being, I was there, at, like started work at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and I was finishing at eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, so then you're basically from seven to nine. Yeah, and then you, you go to sleep. Transport. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing else. They call it the four-hour life. That's when you have four hours a day. I think for yourself. Yeah. From eight o'clock to midnight, or whatever, or from you know nine to one o'clock, or something, and then you're just working. But uh, uh, this English teaching—it's it's it's such a fascinating thing. I mean, I I've here in Prague because I think. Like almost probably thirty, forty percent of the foreigners that you would stop on the street there if you'd ask them how they came here and what they did, and at least in the beginning, is it would be teaching English. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it. I mean, Prague is the the second city that I live in outside of Iceland. I lived in Copenhagen before I moved uh-huh. here, and uh, I'd never met an English teacher in Denmark. Never, you know. I don't think they exist. I mean, obviously in the schools. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in Iceland. I had never met an English teacher there. But when I moved here, I actually got into a job which kind of took me all over the world. And uh, so I went a lot to the neighboring countries. And I, I don't, I don't feel that I ever. I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I don't. I never got the feeling that this private English teaching community or let's say industry exists mm-hmm. anywhere else and I've often thought about why because like I can understand like soon after communist and communism ended that you know like they didn't teach English in schools here and you know people spoke Russian and maybe some German yeah that's true so there was a need and there was a rapid need because you know all of a sudden the country becomes part of kind of an international community and wants to do trade and stuff mm-hmm. like that and people wanted to travel and stuff but now it's 33 years since the end of communism. So the school system has been teaching English for 33 years. Yeah. If you still have this huge industry around teaching people English, aren't the, the schools must be doing something really bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. I was teaching at one school on Narodny and um, it was a class for kids who basically failed the like final year of their mm-hmm. English, and so they would go for a, they came for a year to teach English, not to learn English, so that they could pass this exam. Exam, and yeah, I guess it was really is actually full, and there was I didn't have the only class; there were other classes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess the system is kind of, and it's actually a concern for me now because I have a daughter, and mm-hmm. I know that she'll go. So she's speaking English, right, and. She also speaks some, no, no, some Ukrainian, but that's, mm-hmm. and she's learning Czech. And I can see like, okay, her English right now is better than her Czech because she's just five and English is still her first language. Mm-hmm. But when she will start going to school, her Czech is going to overcome her English yeah, because she's going to be, she's surrounded by it. She's going to be speaking to more people mm-hmm. in it. She'll still know English, but I am also very concerned that like, she won't know English to like, a very native level, mm-hmm. you know, which involves reading, writing, literature, yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah, to have your world in English in some yeah. way. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. So I think that you're mm. right. It's not so. It's like in some of the classes, I know that from friends that like many of the children who are English speaking, they know better English than the teacher that is teaching. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's just always I always wondered why 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 this industry can bl- bloom here, you know, and it still does. I mean, there are still, still people does. coming here in similar shoes like you you know they kind of yeah i would like to try this it's a nice city and and so on yeah and i think that it's interesting it's great actually in this mm. way because i think i focused mostly i did also this um sort of like cambridge certifications but i also taught like some business english mm. because i had business experience before so i could like combine yeah. the two and that for me was nicer because mm. it was still connected with business which i was interested in because we would talk to with the different students about like what's mm. going on in their job and things like this and how they can use develop their English mm. for it. So that was yeah. So it's nice. It's, it's flexible. Mm. I don't know if it, but I still see like even older people who are like older than me teaching English, mm. and I'm always surprised. Like wow, he's still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I th- I think I mean like it's a. Uh you know, it probably in in some way that job has also something to offer. I mean, if you like meeting people, you you know, like you, it's like me with that this podcast. You know, I I it, I definitely not doing it for the money. It's it's yeah. a, but I get to meet people like you, or you know, or or the, my guests. You know, and I meet new people. I made friends from this. I, I expanded my network. You know, there are other things than. Just money. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Definitely, definitely. This is what we were talking about purpose before, that mm. you need to have a purpose. Yeah. And I read one book and they talk about how money is actually should, is a side. Mm. It's just a side yeah. product yeah. of what you're yeah. doing. Exactly. It shouldn't be your main goal, goal just doing it just mm. for money. Mm. Yeah, uh, and you meet your husband here. He's Ukrainian. Yeah, well, I met my husband here. He's Ukrainian. And how, 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 how did, did you meet? meet? <laughs> Is that some uh, no, glorious story? <laughs> no, not really, but it's a, maybe not the most um, conventional story. Uh-huh. We, I, I met him that we started living together in the same flat chair. Okay. So, we so it was an arranged... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> it was arranged by other powers. By landlords. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so that was... And was it an immediate kind of attraction or, or or you just yeah i think it was uh-huh. quite it was very quick it was like after like a month or something uh-huh. so yeah it, yeah and that and that was like it but it was very like natural mm-hmm. it was somehow very natural like we started we, we just sort of started living together mm. and then it was very natural there was none of this you know how like you meet someone and then if you move in together and then you have all these changes and you have to yeah, adapt yourself yeah, yeah. around you it. You knew these things. Yeah, the only part was that we had, because our apartment, and I still live in the same apartment. We still live in the same apartment, right? Yeah. <laughs> because we have really good rent because we have it for like 20 years or something. Yeah. But um, we had other people living with us. So slowly I like kicked Kick them, them out. out. <laughs> <laughs> I slowly kicked them out and... Yeah, we had the apartment for ourselves. Yeah, so. but how is the, how was how has he been affected by by what's going on in Ukraine now? Yeah, that's been really like hard, especially mm. after like COVID and everything. Um, 
we still have family there, like his mum and sister and mm. his nephew actually also is still there. In the beginning we wanted, because so many people came, right, and we wanted, we were trying to make them come here for even mm. for a while. Mm. But they didn't want to come. Mm. His nephew actually wasn't able to come because he's... He's drafted. He, yeah. yeah. Um, but his mum and sister, yeah, we wanted them to come, but they didn't, they didn't want to come. Mm. And I was... It, I was so nervous in the beginning. And he was also very nervous in the beginning. But then after about a week, I realized like, okay, people who want to come are going to come. Mm. But some people have to stay still, right? Because mm. after there's still going to be stuff to do. During yeah. But um, yeah, so they were going to the shelters and doing all that. So that was, it was hard. My husband was reading a lot of news and mm. that was really bad on the like mm. mental load of it all, I think. Mm. Then he slowly stopped. And only recently he w he was part of some like telegram groups, which um, from Ukrainians. And recently he turned them off too. Uh huh. So yeah, somehow he's distanced himself from mm. it. Because I guess there's also limited what you can kind of do. Carry. Yeah, and do about it, like in in by thinking about it. You know, like you you as you say, you open your door. You say, okay, you can come if you want to come. You can donate some money, but that's kind of where it ends for most normal people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like we don't we don't have um, so many things, and I think also what I th I th I, th I don't know about this. People, I I'm not sure I would want to leave my home, even if my country was under attack. Mm -hmm. I I I'm I'm not sure I would want to go because it's, it's this is my home, you know, like the, and this is my country. Yeah, no, definitely. There is that. And there's also like this thing about comfort mm. in a way because, and if you go deeper, it's even more interesting that you, it's your home and that's where you feel comfortable. Yeah. Right. Okay. Unless there are really like bombs well, yeah, like yeah. falling on your head. And there, there are a lot are, of, yeah, yeah, but there are also a lot of parts of Ukraine, but that's not happening. Exactly. And um, yeah. And so actually then now I think about it, I'm not sure actually what is better because when you if they come here, mm. so just sort of like it's not their home. No, and they're sort of pottering around like mm. not doing like much. Yeah, I have a friend who who lives in in Kiev. They they left and then they went back. They went mm -hmm. back like I don't know when 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 the war had been on for like a month or something. They moved back to Kiev and. Uh, and this is a guy, you know, he's Icelandic and they're married and his wife is Ukrainian. They they could have gone anywhere. I mean, financially, they could have gone, uh, they could have gone to Iceland. But no, he said, this this is our home, you know, this is where we live. And uh, so they moved back. And uh, actually, now they're off the front uh, doing journalism. Uh -huh. He was not a journalist. He became a journalist became just to do that for Icelandic media. And, and I'm actually hoping to have him on here later. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it's... Um, yeah, but it must be it must be a really difficult thing for a Ukrainian because these two countries are so connected. Yeah. Ukraine and Russia and you know, you have relatives on both sides and they speak the language, you know, most Ukrainians speak Russian, you know, it's um Yeah, it's quite uh, and I think even even for Russian people living here mm. who have chosen to live here like that's actually the best thing they've done, right? Yeah. They've chose to leave there and mm. go, not be part of it. But um one of our friends, her parents live like on the border. They live in Russia, mm. but on the border of Russia and Ukraine. Mm. And 
they her dad had like a several properties or something like this and basically everything is worth like nothing mm. now so mm. they also they have money to live but they're also like affected by yeah, it. so yeah. it's like, the war is really like nobody wins no normal person wins in a war it's just the military business complex that wins in a war you know yeah so yeah but mentally I think most the hardest part was mentally and Mm. the hardest part for me was accepting that they wouldn't come here Mm -hmm. that's like something I couldn't get my head around Mm. but we're lucky we're lucky enough to have never had to you know, even consider, yeah, yeah, consider that option. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think because I think it's a, it's a really hard option to co- or like, yeah, these choices are really, really difficult. I mean, if I had a, I don't know, if I had a small child, I would probably think, but if it was just me, I would like, well, I can kind of be here. You know, yeah, it's one of those things. Like with everything, it's like with being pregnant. I think that you can't understand it until you're in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like mm. it, you don't, until you're in it, and mm. then you understand what it's everything's about. Yeah, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about more about this kind of journey that you have started with the kind of can we call it like alternative healing or 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 I guess we can yeah we can call it. It's but you like have a wellness. brand. But you have yeah, a brand. Yeah, I have this brand. I've made. It's called Aroma Laska. It's like aromatherapy and love because in Laska. In Czech is yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm basically building this wellness brand. Mm. I want it to be about empowering people to find their wellness tools. Mm. So there's so many. Now it's a very big thing. People are becoming really aware of wellness, aware of meditation, yoga, um, art therapy, this therapy, journaling. There's mm. so many different things. And I have a feeling that only a few of them are like really pushed. Mm. Or do you know, like someone, meditation I think now is hot, right? Mm. And everyone knows about it and everyone thinks, oh, I should be doing it, which is in some way true, except that for some people it doesn't sit. Mm. Like it just doesn't work. I I fall asleep. You fall asleep, you see. But but isn't that good also because that's a way to relax? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, So what I want to do is to explore and educate people different ways mm. that how they can improve or empower their wellness to take mm. care of it so everything is so it started off with aromatherapy mm. now i'm working with these sadhu nails which is, and these this are, is a type yeah, of meditation uh, people who are watching on on youtube th- this thing here this uh, torture <laughs> plates these are the sadhu nails yeah. what, what where is the sadhu maso nails or or Sad, sadhu. Sadhu. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they were actually from uh, like sadgurus. They used to use them for basically mental mm-hmm. uh, clarification. Mm-hmm. And a type I, I of tried. Emotion. I tried stepping on this earlier. Uh, these are guys that are only listening. These are wooden plates with nails in them, like uh, not the mm-hmm. nails you find on your hands. No. these are the ones everyone always thinks I'm talking about. Yeah, this is from the construction yard. Yeah, the construction nails that you stand on. They're galvanized nails. Yeah, that's great because they are they are good in rain and everything. The galvanizer <laughs> yeah. doesn't rust. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but wait. So so for example, these plates. Yeah. What do they do for me? They reset your nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's an acupressure technique. Mm. It increases the energy and chi in your body. It increases your blood flow. Mm. The more blood flow you have going around your body, the more 
blood is flowing. And the so, more healing. And the of more healing, the, uh-huh. exactly, of your organs. So when you have like any like tensions in your body or anything, this is usually these are usually places where you have stagnant energy or stagnant yeah. blood flow. Something is, something is stuck, blocking mm-hmm. it. And by standing on the nails and making it's like water when you wash something and you want it to clean and you put the, a big power mm. through it, like it flushes it out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea. You're making the blood flow and it's washing away the, it's the blockages, blockages and, and, and clean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's also, it's also fantastic for your mind. It's, yeah, it's fantastic for your mind because it's, it's a deep, deep meditation. You can't think of, you can't think of anything else mm. when you're standing on them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also opening, I believe, opening your intuition. Mm. When you, after you stand on these nails for maybe like 10 minutes, mm. you also have like more energy because you released all those blockages which were consuming your uh-huh. energy. Lift, lift up the... Sorry. Yeah, like, like yeah, maybe it can be a little bit lower. Than, yeah, now I see you. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Uh, but but wait, so where does this come from? I mean, what's the kind of, is this... The history? Uh, I think it's coming from, it's coming from India. Uh-huh as I was mentioned about the sad gurus. Mm-hmm. So they used to do it where they used to lay on the bed of nails. Yeah, because we called them fakirs in in yeah. in, in Iceland. There was a there was a comic book that I I was reading uh that that, that and that yeah they were lying on those beds of nails. Yeah. And it's actually very it's, yeah part of the acupressure technique but it's actually very much connected also to your nervous system. Mm. That you know, we have the two sides: this um, sympathetic side and parasympathetic side of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And when we're in this parasympathetic side, we are in this relax and rest and healing mode. Mm-hmm. That's when our body is in balance. When we're in the sympathetic side, then we are in stress. Uh huh. So that's what the f- so they call it fight or flight. It's actually more. Yeah. And so when you're in the fighting mode, that's when people are in stress. So they use this, and this is mm, more to do with like your organs your everyday fun- body functions uh-huh. so that's why they say when you want to meditate when you want to do yoga you're accessing your body you're putting it into the parasympathetic side so you are in the mode for healing mm. body has balance and you can and it now can focus on fixing any problems that mm. you have so when you stand on the nails you're like exercising it you're shifting the you're shifting it mm-hmm. from one to another so you put yourself in distress so when after you stand off you feel so light and so like re-energized. So, so by stand, I tried standing on it before, uh, and I actually I, ha- I have like a mat at home with, with plastic things on. The plastic I'm, ones, yeah. I, I know, I know it's a different thing, but it, I mean the the, the idea principle is, is the same. Yeah, yeah, the principle is the same, and I've used it. You know, if I have some irritation in my calves, I don't know, guys, if you have seen videos of my calves, but they look amazing. It's the only body part that I have that looks like I'm a professional like something. Athlete. Yes, <laughs> it's I don't know where I got this calf from, and because I don't do anything about it, but but I they, carrying those calves comes with with great pain. You know, I, they they are sometimes very irritated. So I have this uh, often when I go to sleep. You know, so and then I often I put the mat on the floor and I stand on it for uh, just for like thirty seconds, mm-hmm. and it completely changes the sensation. You know, like you're saying, it activates somehow. Yeah. But like you were saying, you told me here before that I should stand on this for like 10, 15 minutes or yeah. even more. 10 minutes is optimal. Uh-huh. Like after 10 minutes, you feel the full mm-hmm. like relaxation mm-hmm. effect. So mm-hmm. 
10 minutes. Um, I think I can stand on them for like 20 minutes. And um, yeah, this is probably my limit, my maximum I've stood on it. But I know that people can stand for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And and how, um, why, like, yeah, I mean, that, and that's <laughs> maybe, a, a, well, this is not the only thing that you're doing. You're no. doing the, the... So then there's also the aromatherapy. Yeah. And that is like, a huge thing, I think, because aromatherapy, you can, the essential oils, let's say, you can use so many oils for different for different things. What we were talking about before, that many of us use drugs, like you have a headache, and they, and, but there is actually oils which you can use for a headache, and you don't need to take drugs <laughs> for it. So this is a way to, as we were talking before about reducing toxic load, this essential oils is a definitely a way how you can reduce toxic load in your mm. life. Adding it to your cream, any kind of base cream, adding to your cream. There are oils for your skin. There are oils with doTERRA. I was at a convention two weeks ago, and the doTERRA oils for me are like the pure oils because that's another thing. People like say, "Oh, it didn't work because they bought an oil which was in DM," mm. and you only actually, the market um, states that you only need to have 10% of pure oil. Yeah, it's like the cannabis stuff, you know, like there are some of the cannabis oils have just like 5% of the active yeah. ingredient. So that's why it doesn't mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. because it needs to be really pure. pure. Yeah. And so, yeah, 10% of it is actually pure oil, and the rest is something else. And they can write on the bottle, it's a pure essential oil. Mm. But it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... That's like that's another different thing. What you really have to pay attention to with the oils when people say it doesn't work, mm. it's like, well, why doesn't it work? Mm. But oils, many in many creams and many body products that we buy, even with the body washes and stuff, it's like, oh, it has a lavender. It smells like lavender. Smells like whatever um, mm. chamomile. These nice oils. It's really good for your skin, except for most of them are synthetic. Yeah. And they are just synthetic copies of essential oils. Yes. It's not the real lavender, not the real chamomile. Yeah. And the synthetic copy is just, it's, it has this toxicity. Mm. So. Mm. But this, this, you know, like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there there are so many angles to this. I mean, people just want quick solutions. I just want to take a pill or I just want to wear a mask and then I'm healthy. (laughs) Isn't that like where we are, you know? It is. And it's kind of sad because I think we have to really be more conscious about supporting our bodies. Mm. And that's, uh, this convention was also like a big theme. Mm. It's support your body. If you support it with using certain oils for certain problems or using it for relaxation, Mm. then you are proactively helping your body manage so you don't need to get to the point where you need to take a pill. Mm. If that Yeah, makes but sense. that means that I need to think, I need to plan, I need to stop going to McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a lifestyle, right? It's a mindset and a lifestyle you have to. Mm. But what I, what I, like, we are now coming out of probably the, the weirdest, I hopefully, the weirdest period of our lives <laughs> in terms of of when it comes to public health and um, 
and and I felt that it was a very interesting how how it was handled. You know, like we treated healthy kids the same way as old sick people. We 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 were not. It wasn't like there was nothing highlighted about what I could do. That I, you know, can I get myself in shape? Can I eat healthier? How can I stimulate my immune system? Mm-hmm. And there were even in in countries like in Iceland that, you know, like the the national doctor or who, the epidemiologist of the country, he went on a, he went every day on a press meeting, and and they kept people in front of the TV listening to those press meetings every day, like, really? and. Uh, and the, and he he even said that he wanted to warn people about vitamin D. I mean, this this must be the first time in history that that some people are warning you about a vitamin. Yeah. Because he was saying that it's giving people a false pre or a false idea about what will protect them against COVID. Uh huh. So, yeah. which I I understand this argumentation, but it's just not like it can never be bad. To do something that is natural for your body, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, the funny thing is that this is what people were doing before. Mm. As we were saying, it's not actually a new, it's alternative, but it's not alternative. It's mm-hmm. actually a traditional thing, what people yeah. were doing before. It's old school. Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. It got us here. Yeah. And people know loads of different, like, oh, if you have a, like, a stomach ache, people are like, oh, drink peppermint tea. Oh, you get a cold or flu, drink lemon and ginger Mm -hmm. and this is just like the very tip Tip of the iceberg tip yeah Mm. and it can go much much deeper Mm. and people are more educated i guess in in herbal remedies which essential oils also are Mm. connected very much to herbal 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 remedies because they're oils which are extracted from trees from plants from flowers and Mm. from resins so yeah, that people just need. It's just. It's just about education. I think that we're really missing this. We're but is is it in someone? Is it good for business that we learn to <laughs> take care of ourselves and and you know heal? I mean, obviously, you will always need a doctor or a hospital if I don't know yeah. if you break your leg or you get some serious Definitely. infection or whatever. You know, we're not talking about that. You go full on nature and and. But no. these kind of things, you know, like, uh, isn't it better for business if we just take a pill when we have a headache? It's better for business. It's not necessarily better for uh, us. Mm. It fixes your problem in the moment, mm. but the consequences after. Mm. Like, I don't know about you. We were talking about ibuprofen before, but I absolutely cannot take ibuprofen. I have such bad gut issues from yeah. this. And this actually started, I remember when I was like 20. Mm. Which is like a long time, right? Mm. Twenty because I had like a really bad wisdom tooth pain, mm-hmm. and I was taking ibuprofen uh, to like uh, frequently, it, frequently, mm. and from that time it totally disrupted my the gut, gut flora, my, my gut flora, yeah. and even still, like till today, I still. Mm. But I haven't taken ibuprofen for years, even after my cesarean. Mm. I think two times after after my cesarean, I still didn't take it mm. because it just was so it, it was so if I just take one just totally like but you would be like most people consider you weird you know what I mean how well, the, weird is that that, that, I that don't you take are Iber- weird <laughs> yes do you know what I mean like yeah uh, it, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing because if we look at if you look at our history and traditions, you know, I guess like from, for example, in Mauritius, 
the food traditions there and how they spice it, what they use, how they mix the, I don't know, let's say the macros or the quantities of, of things in each dish, there are no coincidences. No, this is like a, this is a, yeah, this is a process that has been going on for 150, 200,000 years and they've just mastered it. Okay, so this engine, the body, yeah, this is what it needs. Yeah. And then, in, I don't know, what, 80, 80, 100 years ago, we, we said, no, yeah. let's try and let's try and <laughs> fix it with something else, you know? Yeah, that's totally true. And I think that because even with the oils, like it, you know, they say there are all these super power foods, super mm. power foods, mm. and they're all like um, spices, mm. right? Like curcuma mm. and cumin and mm. that pe- black pepper. Black pepper is like also another kind of super, super food. And... Um, yeah, Hold the mic a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm not good at it. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to record this again. <laughs> um, yeah, and these are also perfect. And they're, and for some reason, we mm. are, I don't know, we've lost the contact. We've lost mm. that connection with. Or we were made to lose that contact. Yeah. You're somebody, I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's not, it wouldn't be good if I could just pick something off the tree here and heal myself, you know, then they would have to close down a pharmacy. Yeah, basically. Mm. But I, and I, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing that the, I, I felt like, especially during COVID, it maybe just highlighted it because it, you saw everyone somehow involved. Yeah. Uh, but the perception of health is something completely different than I thought it was, you know, like I, I, I somehow thought that health was something that started with my own body and my own and my own responsibility, mm-hmm. and was not dependent on, or you know, like uh, that had to work f- for that was kind of the foundation of health. I mean, I've not always been healthy. I've smoked. I still sometimes smoke. I've drank. I've tried drugs. I've you know eaten unhealthy food. I've been fat. I've been slim. I've been everything. You know, <laughs> but I'm still I'm aware of this. You know that it's it's me. me. They say that the first step is awareness, mm. to be aware of what you need to do. Mm. And I think that also there is a, it's connected to intuition mm. because deep down we all know, but we're infiltrated with information around us mm. that we lose this connection with our intuition mm. and knowing what we need. And there's a, pr- a lot of pressure also. I mean, like, yeah, we are we're bombarded with messages about, like, either an alternative or different product, something that, yeah. you know, fixes it. And then we always want whatever requires the least effort. Like you were talking about with your mom when she stopped cooking. Yeah. And she started buying the frozen. I can understand it. But in some way I think about it like, okay, so all that convenience that we have now that is supposed to make our lives easier is not necessarily making it easier or making no. people feel good. It is in the moment. It's such a quick fix. Mm. It's in the moment. But then the consequences are coming like 10 or 15 years later. Because mm. as we spoke about, it's like a little bit. Microdosing. Microdosing. A yeah. little bit every day. Mm. And yeah. And I think, I don't know if you noticed it, like when you put on weight, for example. Mm. That happens to me a lot. Yes. And it, ha- but it happens slowly. It's not that you notice it. In one almost, week, almost, but yes, <laughs> it's, I'm like a, it's it's not just the calves; it's a supermodel body here. You know, yeah. I, I I see food and I get fat. 
<laughs> yeah. And um, so many people, it's like, you you start to eat, you're like, oh, it's okay, just like one cake. Mm. And next day, oh, yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. okay. This is such a small bit. But after a year... It's a lot. It's a lot. And that was actually, it was kind of a wake-up call for me for, for, for losing weight because, I, yeah, I was getting, I was really, really fat. I mean, because I'm not very tall. So I was kind of like a, I don't know, like a cubic meter or something, you know, <laughs> like I was really nicely built and... Uh, and there was a guy that I was talking to. He he lo- he had lost some weight before me, and he said that he he started thinking or explaining it like, imagine if you just gain one kilo per year, mm-hmm. and we were like thirty something when this was, you know, thirty two or something. He said, if you gain one kilo per year for the next thirty years, that's gonna be thirty more kilos on your body. But one kilo isn't a lot. No. If I if I if I fluctuate by a kilo or two per year, I, it's, it's not the end of the world, you know. But if it compiles, yeah. and it's thirty kilos more than someone like me would have been hundred and thirty kilos, then I have a problem. Mm-hmm. There's no mask, no vaccination, nothing is gonna solve, you know. No. And I will probably yeah I will probably have to take a lot of ibuprofen just to get through the day, and that's just gonna make it worse. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So it's a very slow, like, and this thing with the chemicals and the toxicity in around us mm. is in micro doses. Mm. So so small that you you don't even notice it. Mm. And but people, but obviously they're selling it from the quick fix, yeah. from the benefit what you're going to get right now. Mm. But I was thinking, like, <clears throat> also this one, you know, like this time saving, you know, like because yeah, if I if I wanna take care of myself i need to i need to work for it you know i need to i need to do things i need to be conscious i need to shop properly i need to cook properly i need to choose the right restaurants if i want to go for a restaurant i need to go out for that walk you know mm-hmm. like I, and I, as i told you before we started recording i have I have that dog that tried to eat you in the office before <laughs> And she really was a game changer for me because, you know, now that means like there's an hour, hour and a half every day that I need to spend outside with her. And I had to take that time from somewhere, you know, it's not yeah. like I could add an hour to the, the to the day, you know. And in my case, it went, you know, I used to run more, it, so it kind of went off that. And I used to drive my motorbikes more, so I drive them less now. And... Uh, I used to ride bicycles more, and I do that less now. But in in return, I got this, you know, and it's it's a good trade. Mm-hmm. And um, but it 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 means that I need to I need to go out. It doesn't matter if it's rain, snow, cold, warm, mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I, I need to go and do it. And of course, it would be easier to be at home. But if you think about it, okay, so what would I do at home? Yeah. I would be on Facebook, mm-hmm. or I would be on Instagram, or I would be watching Netflix or whatever. And that's what the interesting thing is with. When you when you talk to someone who, oh, I don't have the time for this, or I don't want to put the effort in, I don't want to cook that meal. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do with that time instead? Mm-hmm. And I often feel that 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 trade is a really bad trade because you're saying, no, I don't want to cook healthy food. I'm going to order some shit because then I can watch more episodes on Netflix. Yeah. And it's also about um, that we're also in a way because we always want to be like more productive mm. and we see that these everyday these like cooking and cleaning even 
we see them as kind of non-essential thing, mm-hmm. even though eating is a really yeah. essential thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's the primary, <laughs> the primary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but somehow we've been brainwashed into thinking we have to be productive all the time because mm. a lot of people just like working. Mm. They're just working. It's like, oh, I don't have time to cook because I'm working, and I totally understand it. Mm. Like you want to progress, but where are you going? Like saving time. What are you saving time for? Mm. Mm. You're saving time, but what are you saving time for? Mm. Because you want to work? Okay, why, what? Yeah, what are you getting from that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the reward? Yeah. But how, <coughs> so with all this Aramalaska stuff, and, and how, uh, is there any personal thing in this? You know, Do you know what I mean? Like, do you, are you healing yourself or, or kind of maintaining the tranquility of yourself with this? I mean, I think. how do you manage your own stress, for example, or, or something? I go for a walk nearly like every day in the morning, as you said. I don't have a dog. I don't take my daughter with me. Mm. Sometimes I do, but most of the time not because I want that time a little bit for myself. And Do you want to have you can have my dog now for two yeah, weeks. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and I go f- and I go for a walk. We live right next to Letna, so it's just perfect. Mm. And uh, when I go in the morning and I f- go outside for like half an hour. Mm just to walk outside half an hour, I feel so de-stressed. Mm. I feel so much, so energized when I come back and so, like, happy. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't know. That's, like, my number one thing. The second thing I do is I'm, I'm using the oils mm-hmm. to support. Like, when I feel a little bit off, I use, um, there is a, a special blend mm-hmm. there, and I use this as I make it into a tea or a roller bottle or... For example, the other week we had my daughter. She had a sore throat. Mm-hmm. She came, oh, my throat is sore, and like crying. So I made her a blend with like oregano. Um, oh, I've forgotten now. Oregano, frankincense, and um, this this uh, protective blend, mm-hmm. this immune boosting blend. And she was rubbing it on her neck, and then the next, then I got a bit sick, so then I was rubbing it on my neck. But it really helped. Mm-hmm. Like it really helped to ease that pain. Mm. And you know it helped because you want to put the oil, you want to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it works. Mm-hmm. And the only thing with natural remedies is that you do have to use them more frequently yeah. than if you just take one pill. Yeah. Right. But for me, supporting and yesterday for oh, sorry yesterday for example, my daughter she had a really bad like stomach ache or mm. something, some wind or something. Mm. So um, I rubbed I rubbed like just one drop of. Some I think like a peppermint blend, a digestive blend on her on her stomach, and then after she went to the toilet and everything, and she felt better. Mm. And it's just and I massaged her belly. It's mm. like yeah. you know, and just small things like mm. this that I solve my yeah yourself yeah. myself mm. without taking any pills, mm. without going to a doctor. Okay, I have the oils, but for me the oils they're an investment, right? Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So. Yes, yeah, so in the evening, I have like a bit of a routine where I, I choose which. I have these cards. They're sort of like tarot cards, but they're for essential oils. Mm-hmm. And I mix them and I pull out one and I see which oil it tells me I should use. Uh-huh. And this is really, it sounds a bit like voodoo, but it's because I really believe in the intuition. I really believe in all my therapies. Mm. I do it with the whoever is coming. After we stand on the nails, because I told you it increases mm. your intuition it gives you a deeper connection between yourself mm. 
and your mind. And I tell them to pick a card. I'm like, pick a card. Mm. It, it, every time they pick a card and the oil, it has what oil it is, what its chemical properties, what it solves. For example, it's good for releasing tension. It's good for releasing stress or it's good for um, focusing on your goals, whatever, mm. whatever is the, the problem. And every time they pick a card, which is what we've been discussing before, what they want to improve or really? work on in their life. That's yes. crazy. Yeah. And so th I do this in the evening and I take that oil mm. and I like inhale it, diffuse it mm. before I go to sleep and just like think about it. I did a lot of uh, some journaling too because now, because I have a blog on my website and mm -hmm. I try to like write and that really helps actually. If you were in Iceland now, they would say that you're a crazy person. But, you know, but it's, um, this is interesting. I wanted to ask you about this. So talking about health and wellness, because I've been reading like I have like millions of self-help books and millions mm. of like wellness books. And for example, in I know that in um, I think it's in Sweden and in Denmark, they have there are these two books which are like all about how wellness is integrated into the life. Mm. And actually, I realized that in many of the Scandinavian countries and in Iceland's not Scandinavian, but it's the other side, mm. right? But it's still very rural. They're all quite rural, mm. colder countries, colder climate. And each culture has its own integrated wellness system mm -hmm. that is supported there. And so I wanted to ask about Iceland because it's cold there, right? Yeah, that helps a lot. I mean, obviously the cold means that we use less uh, chemical medicine for animal breeding and stuff like that because mm -hmm. you know like there are fewer germs and 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 parasites that that can manage so and also in in all agriculture i mean so we we yeah in in some way i think we and also of course that affects the people you know you you have less issues that are related to humid conditions and stuff like mm -hmm. that i mean that that's for sure so the natural environment itself is is maybe a little bit more protective of you than if you i don't know let's say you lived in Spain or something, or in a mm -hmm. big city where there's a lot of pollution and stuff like that. But to be very honest, I mean, like I saw it very well during COVID that that anyone who talked about like you know journaling, exercising, eating healthy, and saying I'm taking responsibility for my own health in this way and my own well-being, these people were called out, and they were usually called out by overweight people mm -hmm. that look ten years older than they actually are. Um, and we're waiting in a queue to get vaccinated, mm -hmm. which is uh, chemical material. You, you know, like it's, uh, but it's a brainwash. You know, it's it's not like these people. They they just wanna yeah. They want the simple, simple quicker solution. solution, and they've been told that it's best for them. And the man on the television said it, and the man in the newspaper said it. You know, like it's. I can I can sympathize with it, but I feel sorry for them that they mm -hmm. they they don't think further but i don't think we have this in iceland in in this way i mean i i do after living in in denmark and i did a lot of business in 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 sweden and norway as well mm -hmm. finland as well they are much closer to we have unfortunately adopted a lot of the american uh -huh. kind of habits you know like because, in england yeah so we are we are much closer to there you know like um, i think if i would have had that tummy ache that your daughter had, my mom would have given me Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. 
<laughs> which <laughs> which can, actually was actually a can, kind yeah, of it's not, Yeah, it's, it's not, and it actually often helps, you yeah. know, but it just comes with a lot of other stuff with it, you know, like, and, um, but uh, talking about children, and yes. uh, so you are kind of, your daughter is free range. Right. But but she lives she lives in a house no no but like no you told me she's going to a different type of school yeah example. she goes like to a ward of school and next year she's going to go to a forest what is it called Wald- oh, Waldorf ah. yeah okay it's like the salad we have we have that it's called, yeah. we have this Waldorf salad yeah 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 because we have that school in Iceland also and I had a when I was fifteen I had a girlfriend that came from that and she was wild yeah she was it is fun a you bit, know yeah. Yeah, they're sort of taught not to like release these inhibitions. They're not suppressed with, yeah. and they try. They encourage the children to follow their natural rhythm and mm-hmm. to find themselves. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's it, it's nice. It's very community based school where the parents are involved a lot. Mm-hmm. So in this particular school, they don't have catering, mm-hmm. but one parent has to cook one time per month, uh-huh. and it's vegetarian food. Uh-huh. So this is. Very interesting in a way that so the children they're eating home cooked food mm. every day at mm-hmm. school and this goes back again what we were talking about yeah. cooking and yeah. and yeah and they sort of like before they eat they all have like a special song they sing and they thank the son and the mother that cooked and this kind of stuff and it's really like a really nice community based school is very much. Like I said, following the natural flow. They use only natural materials for even their toys and stuff. Mm. So it's made from wood or this and they yeah, they even for the activities like they do painting, they use natural colours, dyes. But they learn the basic stuff they learn also. The basic like, stuff, like yeah. but they learn also to read and write and stuff like that. I mean how Not does until that come? they're seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. My daughter's five now. Yeah, they yeah, it's it's actually Funny in a way. In a way, it's great. The principles are all great, but it's a little bit still. I want to say stuck in a bit the past because now, like my daughter, she speaks she's speaking two languages. Mm-hmm. But in this their system, they say that kids shouldn't really learn languages until they're after seven. Uh-huh. So you're a bit like, well, what if your kid speaks three languages, yeah. which many of them are doing now? Yeah. So <laughs> where do they fit? Mm. So, but they don't focus on. The cognitive cognitive stuff until after seven, which is actually right because the brain so it's their more brain social is and and uh, let's say creative yeah, creative and social skills yeah which um, is great yeah 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 and yeah there was something we wanted like me and my husband were quite clear also in the beginning that we wanted that one of us will stay at home mm. and give time you know mm. like manage time and I think it should be like that I know that people can't afford. <laughs> No, no, but if you can, then... But if you can, it's Mm. great. And it's so beneficial to them emotionally and they're they're just mentally and their growth and their self-security, I think, Mm. who they are. So, yeah, and... But will she stay in this type of school? I mean, how how far can you go... Yeah, no, you can go. You can... There are two in Prague, I think, one in Prague 6 and Mm. one in Prague 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but we live in Prague Seven, so yeah. Not, but yeah, there are you can complete like your whole education in, in that this system. system. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's very interesting. But now she's going to go to a forest school. There is only one forest school for like preschoolers in Prague. What is that forest school? It's very similar. They they have they so they don't have classrooms, but everything is outside. They have wow. outside um, like a fire pit, 
and the kids play. They just play outside. Uh-huh. They have um, what do you call them? Like cabins. Yeah. For like rainy days, blah blah blah, and they go. They walk. They go. Stromovka, because this one's next to Stromovka, uh-huh. so they go walking in the nature. They learn. Stromovka, guys, uh, is a huge park, park. in Prague. Yeah. yeah, so they learn from the nature. Mm-hmm. They interact with the nature. They learn basically from the nature, making things from wood or making things from string. Like, what can you make when you don't have, when you have yeah. only what you have? But how is this like, you know, because, um, you know, kids can be. I, I was a ruthless bully and I was ruthlessly bullied also, but. Um, being different was not easy, you know, like uh, mm. um, if, I don't know, if we, if some friend of mine didn't have a TV, it was something that we would whisper about, you know, these, these guys over there, they don't have a TV. You know, what's wrong with that family? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that they are, you know, they, they don't get any food either, you know. It's th- you have zero concerns about this. That, like, mm, that you, yeah, I don't. Of it going the alternative go. route. Yeah, no, I don't have any concerns mm. about it. I like, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I didn't. I think for my daughter, it doesn't. It doesn't affect her mm. in a way, but maybe she's still small, so mm. maybe it's going to come later. But actually, for me as a mother, like around other mothers, yeah. I think it's actually kind of like a weird. Like people think that I am weird. Yes, because I'm not like going to work immediately after being two at home years for like two years, years or yeah. three years, mm. and. I'm not doing this and, oh, I don't let her, like, watch that much TV or I don't really, like, leave her, like, at school all day because mm. she finishes at one. Mm. And I pick her up and we spend the rest of the day together. Yeah. And, yeah, so sometimes I think people think that I'm weird. Yeah. But this is what I'm talking about, the, about intuition. Yeah. I realise that I intuitively know that this is what I need to do. Mm. And I just know it because I just feel it and know it. And the second thing is it's very much um, part of one of my core like beliefs and principles in mm. life. Mm. Right. So I don't want like to you leave d- you my... You shouldn't compromise on those. Exactly. No, I agree. I don't want to leave my child, for me personally, I don't want to leave my child like all day at school. Just for your own... Yeah. Mm. I want her to learn from me. Mm. And I think that all... There's a thing I read that... Mothers, they have like they're more active in the third eye in the intuition, intuition, mm. and they know ex- intuitively what their child needs, what is mm-hmm. the problem. Mm. And I think to do it, you have to be around your child, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and spend time with them. And they love it. I can see it. Like she loves it when we are like together, mm. you know, or she's with me. Yeah, and she's and she learns. I think that she learns. They learn the best when they're. Mm. But I think a lot of these things, like what we've talked about now, is is um, um, we 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 call it alternative, but it's actually this is the mainstream. This is the this is the last two hundred thousand years. Yeah. The, what we have now is it's the last fifty to seventy <laughs> exactly. or hundred years, where where we have kind of speeded everything up, and and yeah, I mean, of course, it has also. I mean, there's definitely a lot of positives that have come i mean there are more people there are few children that die at birth you know there are more people there are few people starving now than ever before you know there are few people dying from natural disasters and weather and you know like there's a lot of kind of let's say life expectancy indicators and stuff like that that is that has gone up you know yeah yeah definitely i mean like um 
we didn't discuss that before, but this is something that happened to me also. Before I had my daughter, I was pregnant before that. Mm-hmm. And I suffered a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. We didn't discuss this. No. Before, yeah. So I suffered a stillbirth so mm-hmm. at like 39 weeks. So it was like Whoa. supposed to be here. So that was really like, actually, it was a very pivotal moment for me because it was then I really realized how important intuition is. Mm-hmm. Because all the weeks before that, because I believed so much what the doctor was telling me at that time. Every time I was going, I was like, before it happened, that I was like, oh, I don't feel well. I don't, there's like, something is, something wrong. is wrong and whatever. And he was like, no, it's okay. Everything is fine. Even, but without really checking me, he was like, just like everything is fine. Da, 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 da. It's like, and, and I had in my mind, like all the time, like, mm, maybe I should like get a second opinion. But mm. this trust that I had in doctors mm. really uh, overcame my intuition mm-hmm. like it overtook mm-hmm. that and i was like no he's a doctor he knows he knows that's why i'm coming here right he knows and but he doesn't know he's not you mm. right and then this happened and this really dropped dropped for me mm-hmm. how the only person you can trust is yourself and how you feel and how you feel you're mm. not making it up people know like, oh no but you don't feel you're just it's nothing don't worry mm-hmm. but if you feel it, you should do something about it or find out more. And yeah, so this, so it yeah, must this have been happened. a really hard experience. Yeah, that was it. Happened. It was here. It happened, and it was yeah. But <laughs> the funny thing, not the funny thing, but the thing about it actually was that everything else in my life was good in that time. Mm-hmm. Me and my husband, the same person, we had you know, everything was our relationship was good, our business was going good, mm-hmm. we had money, we everything was good. It was mm-hmm. just this thing that mm-hmm. happened. And this, yeah, and I don't know, somehow I mani- I separated the two in a way. I kind of like, because even though I lost I lost a child and that was mentally and emotionally. Like, I think I cried like for six months. Yeah. Every day I cried for six months. I can but then that. after the six months, somehow it stopped. It got lighter. I went to some psychotherapy too, but I'm not sh- I don't think the, psychother- the psychotherapy helped to an extent, but not. In mm-hmm. a deeper level, there was there was something else. Because even like I know people who like went through similar experiences, but maybe not as trauma like as far into the pregnancy as yeah. I did, and they can't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that's also like a thing. Like they say that like the pain inside you has to come. It has out to come out and mm, the best in way some is way through words often or crying. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah, so for six months, I think I cried like every day for six months. And then mm. after, it just sort of like got better. But truthfully, the thing which healed me the most was having the second child. Mm-hmm. There was somehow like that pain just... Mm-hmm. So in a way, her soul, her, she is like sort of healed me. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't want to put that kind no, of no, yeah, on, her, on her. But for myself, I know that mm-hmm. she healed that mm-hmm. that trauma in my life. So, yeah, but going back to the intuition, I can't remember why we spoke about that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway. No, we were just talking about this, you know, that the, what is the alternative medicine and what's the original medicine and, you know, what, what it oh, is that we... Yeah, so I wanted to say, but... And people think that stillbirth is very, very... Tra- is a very, like, mm. traumatic thing, yeah, but it's a thing... Yeah, because I was saying that everything is improving around the world, yes. Yeah, Sorry. but 
I want to say like even stillbirth, mm. that happened like 50% more than it did today. Mm-hmm. It's not actually a very rare thing. It only doesn't happen because we have all this uh, proactive, protective yeah. medicine around yeah. us. There are cesareans. Mm. A lot of babies are born from cesarean. Mm. And if they weren't, they wouldn't they would survive. Have, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there are positive things that we've got from me- yeah. modern-day medicine, for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I would never advocate that we eliminate all medicine, but it starts with you. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff you can heal and maintain yeah. and proactively prevent Definitely. by taking better care of yourself. Yeah. And I think it's important also for us, in a way, that we're teaching that we, for us to start to do it because then it teaches our children to mm. do it. Like my daughter, she already she's into this oils already. She knows which is which from some of them and which mm. one she needs to use. Yeah, and because it's our first line of defense, exactly. She, it's already integrated into her brain. Yeah, she understands. That's brilliant. Um. Okay, so we're kind of coming to the end. What are you working on now? So you're working on that brand. Yeah, I'm working on this brand. Um, with aromatherapy workshops. Mm. Aromatherapy. Um, and those are where I can sign up and I come and, and, and meet with you and learn how to yeah. mix. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I do private therapies uh-huh. with the nails and also just aromatherapy on its own or a combination because they work very well mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, from well, now I'm doing every two weeks in my friend's studio, this LaSalle studio. She has it, it's in Havalska, it's in the old town. Mm. And we do in the Saturday Nails classes, like a meditation class. Uh huh. And we stand, yeah, and there is a process. We like gently start standing for one half a minute, then one minute, and uh-huh. so forth. And then after there is the free practice where you can stand for 10 minutes. Okay. And yeah, and then after, so it's, it's a deep meditation class in this way. I also use essential oils, mm. so I teach them, I teach you which oils to do, and so we usually do some kind of like special meditation or some massage, mm-hmm. like se- learning some self-massage. Mm-hmm. I always in the class want to teach something which you can do at home. Yeah, so it's not that you no one is dependent on you forever. Yeah, exactly. You're not like Pfizer. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And that is like, I think that is kind of my goal is to, is, to, is to educate to teach people how they can do it naturally at Themselves, home because yeah. that's the how it's sustainable mm-hmm. i even sometimes think like going to a yoga class is sometimes not sustainable because you have to still go somewhere mm. do something covid happened so mm. people like stop going there and okay they're doing it at home but mm-hmm. that's actually better mm. but everything these things about wellness that you need to incorporate into your life they should be sustainable yeah no, I agree with that. I think, and I think that is actually, for me, like that weight loss I, is, you know, I had to figure out a way to make it a sustainable thing. That it wasn't a temporary thing that I was just doing now. I, I, I need to, and of course, the older you get, you the more kind of concerned and aware of this you become. Yeah. That okay, I need to maintain my health mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't want to be. 60 year old and I can't move around or I can't travel or or, or whatever you know mm-hmm. so I, I'm totally on that like sustainable yeah because you know like it doesn't make sense that I come to you for some arom- aromatherapy and then I just go home and I I don't know I, I smoke wheat 
Well, yeah. Okay, but that's not the worst thing though that I could do. <laughs> I, that I smoke heroin. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's also that, but also, for example, like when we do the aromatherapy workshops, mm. or even when you come to the therapy, I always give people is included in there. Like you have a roller bottle, and you get like two or three oils, which With we you. discuss, which we've discussed that you need. You're going to use. Because I don't want people to come and then go away and just like not use it, mm-hmm. okay. you know. So I want yeah, people yeah. to come and go away with that, and that they can use it today. Yeah. Okay, social media, Aroma Alaska. Oh, that's Instagram, right? Yeah, I'm working a lot with the on Instagram. Mm. Um, I also have a website, aromalaska.com. Mm-hmm. I have a blog, and there, there you have the blog. Yeah. yeah, there I have the blog, and yeah, I I, I hope maybe after new year to start also a youtube channel we mm-hmm. were talking about youtube um with different sort of mini workshops i think yeah. you know okay sounds good guys i will put links to to Vinuta's, uh links in, in 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 the episode description on on spotify and apple and all that places and um yeah, so I'm recording this on a camera also, so I hope that this will be on YouTube as well. Uh, I haven't, I, I haven't really figured out a way to sync the audio and the, and the pictures. <laughs> are, uh, you know, no promises here. And uh, now, when we stop recording, I'm gonna go and stand on those motherfuckers here, and uh, you know, I'll be flying yeah. out of here like a Buddha. It's it's cool. It's yeah. really good. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you, you for having me. It's been a pleasure having you, and I hope to see you again. Bye. Bye.